That's a challenge. No sleeping this morning. Mr. Coy's going to put on the air conditioning and freezing, put it on freezing cold so we can't fall asleep. Well, it's a privilege for me, guys, and ladies to be sharing with you this morning. And yeah, I know our ladies are going to be having an awesome time, but I know God's placed this, this word on my heart this morning. So I just want to start with a mihi kitiatua. So I just want to start with that. And then we'll get into his word. If you get your Bibles ready, we're looking at the second letter of the book of John, second letter of John. So, ite timatanga kote kupu kote atua te kupu kote atua ano te kupu iti tama tamatanga. Amen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and God was again the Word in the beginning. Amen. Kote mea tuatahi maku ki. Kito tato matui nui te rangi. Koia rā te ti matatanga me te whakamotunga o nā mea katoa. The first thing for me is to our great Father in heaven, for he is the beginning and end of all things. There we go. So finally, if we can turn to the second chapter of John, the second letter of John, and there's only one chapter, it's verses 1 to 13. So we'll read that together. And then we'll see what the Lord wants to say to us through the word this morning. So it starts off, the elder, to the lady chosen by God and to her children. Have we all found the verses? Whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all who know the truth. Because of the truth which lives in us and will be, will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father, and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find that some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world, and such person, any such person, is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your sister, who is chosen by God, send their greetings. Father, we thank you for your word, even as I prayed this morning. Even as Des prayed, even as Robin prayed, Father, I pray that you would speak through your weak servant this morning and that your word would penetrate, correct, teach, encourage. And Lord, prepare us, Father, for Lord, the times that we are in, the shaky, the uncertain times that we are in. But Father, you are the rock. You are certain. You are steadfast, never changing. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Father, we stand on the truth of your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, men, 
and ladies. The second letter of John, written by the Apostle John, as you read, and you could say it is addressed to a real woman and her children, whom John says, I love in the truth. However, most biblical scholars believe that it is a metaphor or figure of speech of the church at the time. So where we have the Apostle John overseeing all the churches in the Asia Minor region, and he's concerned over splits and divisions in the church being caused by false teachers, who he calls antichrists. He writes such a stirring, doesn't he write such a stirring letter for us to hold on to, a letter to love the truth and never let it go. Guys, I was thinking this morning, it's so relevant for today, this letter. I was reading that the Apostle John uses the word love 62 times in the New Testament. So I imagine John like a father. It's like a father, like um, Kathleen was saying. You see, Kathleen, the testimonies are always, the testimonies are always relevant because he's talking about fathers. And I imagine John like a father, like a heavenly father, writing to you, writing to me as a church and saying, Dears, Robin, Raphael, Dave, Giovanni, I love you in the truth and a brotherly and sisterly love. So hold on to the truth and love one another. Guard it, protect it, and stand up for it. Like Reuben said last week, we know what happens to the cowardly. Their place will be in the fiery lake of the burning sulfur. That's the truth of the word. So we have to be bold. We have to be courageous for the truth. And I'm talking to myself. I've got the mirror up this morning. So I was thinking as I was preparing this, what is truth and what do we stand for? What's, what do we guard? What are we holding on to? Truth that many of us who were raised in church, many of us who were raised in Christian homes, that, that's not myself, but those who have come into church that have been taught the foundations. Robin and Froley have been teaching at Southside for over 20 years, for years and years. And I thought about the truth of all these years we've been following Jesus. And I sort of done a bit of an exercise. I thought, how would I write a letter with the simple, powerful truths of Scripture that holds on to and speaks the truth? So I imagine responding, you know how we get all these, um, these challenges on, online and all these questions. So I imagine responding to a question from a non-believing brother. And the question goes, Jeff, what's your take on what truth is? And so I said, so here's my response. Well, bro, that's a question, all right. What's important is not what I think, but what the Bible says, which I believe truth is. Bro, did you know that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? No one comes to the Father except through me, which he said in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6. And also in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 23, the author of Matthew wrote, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And brother, did you know that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God? He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. Brother, that's in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. And bro, the Bible also says that the Word became flesh and made its dwelling amongst us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Again, that's in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 14. Brother, God is one in being that exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Word of God, and Jesus became 100% man, flesh and blood on earth, experiencing all the emotions that you and I have experienced. 
And in the first letter of Peter, chapter 2, verse 22, it says he committed no sin. And bro, Jesus is not a high priest that cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things if we have been, yet he was with, without sin. That's in the book of Hebrews, verse 4, verse chapter 4, verse 15. And the truth never ends, bro, because Jesus appeared in order to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. The first letter of John, chapter 3, verse 5. In fact, he said that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Bro, that's in the first letter of John, chapter 1, verse 9. Brother, to finish off, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That's in the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 12. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 23. And finally, brother, in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9, it says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then I'll say, bro, would you like to give your life to Jesus? <laughs> Guys, I, was, I, was, I found when I was doing this, of course we know the truth, but it challenged me, that question. How many times have, have I tried to explain the truth by using feel-good words, trying to make people feel good, getting confused, and then it confuses them, it confuses me, instead of simply quoting the truth from His living Word and letting God speak. Keep to the powerful, simple truth of the Word of God. You know, with all the deceptive noise going on, that's what it comes back to, His Word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Matthew 24, 35. Because I remember hearing the gospel for the first time, my heart was open. It was, I was desperate to be loved, and God's Word made sense to me. And I remember going, yeah, I'll give my life to Jesus. I was desperate. I was open. My sister told me about God. I was ready. I was ready to hear the truth. So here are some fundamental truths that we love and that we hold on to, that we guard and that we stand on and that we hold our ground on. Yet we know the truth is getting more and more challenged by deceptive teaching. Robert and Foley have always taught us the importance of knowing the Word of God. So isn't it encouraging when we hear in verse 4, it says, it has given me great joy to find that some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And I was thinking this morning, man, we actually bring joy to the Father when we walk in the truth. We actually bring Him joy when we walk in the truth. I don't know about you guys, but that kind of, that inspires me to know that the Father is pleased, He's full of joy when we stand, when we stand when we make a stand online, when we make a stand in our classrooms, we make a stand at work for the truth. It brings joy to our Father. And like I said before, I remember I was told this very truth when I gave my life to the Lord, age 16, my sister. And I remember before I gave my life to the Lord, I was searching, I was asking my sister questions about church. I said, what's church about? What's Jesus? She was already going to the local Baptist church down the road. Then, like many of you experienced, out of the blue came the, the knock, knock, knock at the door. Who was it? Our beloved Jehovah's Witnesses. 
Knock, knock, knock. Good evening, sir. And it so happened to be, there was one guy, and it so happened to be another brother that I knew from school. So he was a brother that I grew up with in primary school, and his name was Abel. Abel, hey! And there he was standing before me. Now, let's be frank, their teaching is false and deceptive. I want to just say that straight up. But an old school friend. Anyway, as a young believer, I knew I was hooked into, before I knew it, I was hooked into their weekly Bible studies. You know, they come around, you know, it was, and it was almost like through that relationship, I was, I was brought into, <laughs> Robin, I was a young believer. <laughs> Would it happen now? No. I was curious. I was starting to just accept what they were saying, that Jesus is not God, that the 144,000 is, you know, there you're going to be part of the 144,000 and the rest of us will just stay behind in some funny, strange place. Anyway, my older sister, who was already born again, she found out that this was happening. And I remember her coming around when they were there. And my goodness, with authority, she walked into that room and she told them what they were teaching me was lies. And she told them to get out. Yeah, that was my sister. She even shut the magazines, gave my study book, and said, take that back. He doesn't need this anymore. Then she sat me down. I was, like, shocked and a bit embarrassed, but a bit shocked and going, what the, okay. thinking. But you know what? Deep down, I was thinking, you know what, sis, you, that's awesome. When I think back now, here's a sister, here's a brother who is standing for truth and looking out for one another, looking out for me. Then I remember sitting down, she explained to me, oh, they're telling you lies. You know what? I thought, awesome, sis, but I also felt, don't you just, I just felt protected. I think my sister has protected me, and then not long after that, I remember doing the prayer of salvation on my knees in my room, age 16. Jesus, I need you. You see, the truth came, the protective truth came. Not long after that, I gave my life, and I received Jesus in my heart. All I remember, I was very innocent, I was broken, I was a young boy, but I felt loved, I felt protected, and thinking back now, my sister was guarding the truth, protecting me. And then, I remember I got courage from that, because I was able to ring back to my mate Abel, Abel, hey, don't come around anymore. So that courage that she took encouraged me to stand with the truth. Then I remember years later, Robin, it was years later. It wasn't, well, but I was still a young Christian. <laughs> and then another group came along. And this group, some of you may know them, the Boston Church of Christ. The Boston Church of Christ. So here we are. These guys come around. And I won't tell you why I started to go along to their meetings. But they, they came along, and it was like, it was awesome, you know. Tell us why, you know. Anyway, I was, I was lured by... Um, I was lured by um, the attraction to someone at, 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 at the event. So I was like, oh, oh yeah, I'll go along too. <laughs> hey, don't do that. Don't follow my footsteps, gentlemen and ladies. But I, I found it, you know, and then so you know the teaching. As we started to go along, we're having fun, we're going to the beach and all that stuff, bringing out the Bible, and then started to come the deceptive teaching. You can only be saved if you're water baptized. That was the whole thing. And I remember them, they were going, okay, what's happening? And then I saw, and I went to a baptism of another, um, some of these other guys that were getting baptized. There was such a celebration. I was going, wow, these water baptisms, they're really, really making it a real massive thing. It is a massive thing, but it was salvation for them. And so they started putting pressure on me to get baptized, get baptized. I was going, oh, okay. And then my sister found out again. 
And she found, <laughs> well, she actually was okay with it at first, but then she found out about it. And then she realized, oh, this is deceptive. So she came to me again, and she sent me down. She said, they're preaching lies, Jeff. They're preaching lies. Don't go. And I remember going along, and I remember talking to them about it, and they were saying, oh, no, your sister's of the devil. What she's saying is of the devil. So there started to be the standoff between what my sister was saying and what they were saying. I was caught in the middle. I was caught. I was like, one foot there. Should I go back here? Should I go back there? I don't know what was happening. And then I remember they started, the, the turning point was when, and this is, I don't know if this is a clue about deceptive teaching. It really hit me when they started attacking my sister. That was the turning point for me because at one of the meetings they said, what your sister's of the devil, what she's saying is wrong, I'm going to go and see her and I'm going to go confront her. And then they even pointed their finger at me and said, you're walking all over Jesus, what you're doing, we've told you the truth, you've got to get baptized. And I just thought, ooh, that's a bit, that's sort of, it's a bit of confrontational pressure. And then I knew at that point something was up. Went home, took to my sister, rang them back, never went back. I was fine after that, hopefully. <laughs> but again, my sister standing for truth to tell them, and I told them in a loving way, no, I'm not interested. And you know what? That group is not around anymore. I think they went through all the universities. They were kind of pulling in a lot of people, you got to get baptized, got to be baptized, and it was quite popular, a lot of young people. And that's the other thing that was strange about them. They didn't have, they were all around the same age. There was no one sort of, no elders. I don't think they had elders in the church or anything. It was weird. Anyway, that was a long time ago, Robin. I was a young believer. And so we told them to get lost, but here was my sister instrumental in walking me through the truth. God brings those people along in our lives. Southside, we have that. That's what I love about Southside. And I just, you just say, keep my sister in, in prayer because, again, we're all, um, we all have to stand guard and watch each other. But she's wandered from the truth. But I hold hope that she'll return to Jesus one day. So we'll pray for her. So, guys, then we see in verse 5, the Apostle John says, And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one that we have heard from the beginning. I ask that we love one another, and that, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. In my Passion Translation Bible, when introducing the second letter of John, they put a challenge out to those reading the second letter, and I thought, okay, I've got to say this. They ask the question, how are you loving God and your neighbor today? So they challenge the reader. When you read the second letter of John, they say, how are you loving God and your neighbor today? Not just do I understand that God expects me to love my neighbor and him and God. So there's a big difference there. And when I, when I received that challenge, when I read that, it resonated with me of James chapter 122, not just listening to the word, but doing it, but living it. So here's a daily question that I want to question myself. I put it out to all of you guys here. How are you, Jeff, going to love God and your neighbor today? How are you all going to love God and your neighbor today? For example, this is the question to myself, and am I failing miserably? Sometimes, yes. Will you have your quiet time with me today, no matter what? Will you pray in your prayer slot like I have asked you to do? Will you look after the gardens that I've asked you to plant? Will you pray with another believer at work like I have brought the prophetic word about? Will you pray for your neighbor today? 
Will you visit them? Will you serve them? Will you invite them for a meal? Will you obey the instructions from my Holy Spirit every day? That challenged me. Because, you know, if we go through that list and we tick and we look at them all, there's some days where we, I know I fail miserably with those commands. Then in verse 6 it says this, it says it all. And this is love that we walk in obedience to his command. The Passion Translation says this love means living in obedience to whatever God commands us. For to walk in love towards one another, and this is the key, is the unifying commandment we've heard from the beginning. Frawley mentioned that last time she, she preached about the greatest commandment to walk in obedience to. Matthew 22, 37 to 39, we all know it, eh? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. What I've always loved about Southside since I came many years ago is how we walk in love with each other and we're not afraid to tell each other the truth. We walk together following Jesus. We sharpen each other by telling each other, this is where you're going off track, bro. This is where you need to come back. We're not afraid to do that. Encouragement when we need encouragement. Discipline and correction when we need discipline and correction. We know from Hebrews 12, he disciplines those he loves. None of us are exempt from his discipline. And I remember Foley saying that, welcome his discipline, it's good for you. And those of us like me who struggle with correction, got to keep confronting any inferiority, any pride, any self-protection, that, and allow his truth that it's his love that brings correction. Because he knows what he's doing, eh? God knows what he's doing. He knows that if we stay in his training, it will produce a harvest of righteousness and peace. So I found when I read John, it says it at the end. When I was reading this part, and it says in, walk in love. It's a challenging word when I was reading that. Again, in my Passion Translation Bible commentary, the notes at the bottom says, when we walk in love towards each other, we become more unified, helping us to recognize and resist the false teachers. So it made sense to me. If we walk in love towards each other, we become more unified, and that helps us to resist and recognize the false teaching that comes. We know the very famous verse in 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul tells us love is patient, kind, does not envy, does not boast, is not proud, does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, Jeff, it is not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrong, love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So when I get impatient in the traffic or in the supermarket line and I start breathing heavy <sighs> in the traffic or at the supermarket and I, my hand goes to the horn, here's an opportunity for me to practice patience. And then Robin said to me the other day, Jeff, at the supermarket, why don't you try picking the line that is the longest line? And wait on that line. I said, why the heck would you do that? That doesn't make sense to me, Robin. I can't even get my head around that. Oh, that's right. It's a chance for us to practice 
developing patience, which will give the glory to Jesus. Oh, okay. <laughs> so while we're doing it. How many times have we had that question from a non-believer? I thought about this. How many times have we had a question from people around us? How come you're so calm? How come you're so full of joy? How come you're so patient? And we say back, really? You're talking about me? <laughs> yes, that must be Jesus in us, transforming us. But the only way we do that is by practice when we get into situations where we are like in situations when I want to snap at my wife and my kids. Am I choosing to walk in love by honoring them? Or am I being easily angered? Well, we know the answer to that. Because self is on the throne at the end of the day when I examine that. When I'm easily angered, and my wife and my children make comments, and I snap, myself is on the throne. But I thank you, Lord, that you are transforming all of us by your love every day that's available for us so we can walk in his love every day. And love rejoices in truth. I was putting this message together and a light bulb went off in my head. Love and truth go hand in hand because who is love and truth? It's Jesus. Who we love and we follow and who lives in us. Isn't that true? True that? <laughs> the Apostle John said in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 34 to 35, a new command I give you, Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I know I forget the love of God that flows through us to others. We often do. We forget that. I was sitting with a, with a supervisee. Um, so I, I not only do counseling, but um, Dave will know that, our jobs, when we go and we supervise workers. And so there's this lovely um, lady that I was sitting with, and she, yeah, she's had a bit of a broken, she's had a broken background, a lot of drugs, a lot of brokenness. And so in, in the sort of addictions field, a lot of them get trained and they, they go through AA, which is a great program, NA, they recover, and then they have jobs like their peer support. So guys come out of prison, they've come out of treatment court, they've gone to treatment court and they've got addictions. These, these ladies and men get around them and they help them find you know, they help them find um, housing, they support them, they take them to, to meetings, but they also share share about the challenges that have going, they're, going, they're both going through. So it's like a peer support network. It's really powerful. Anyway, I was sitting with her, and she, we, we sort of we get onto God a little bit in our, in our meetings. They will say, oh, supervision with God. That's, what, that's a supervision with God. She goes, yeah, yeah, I'm open to that, yeah. So we're talking, and and we're just talking about God, and she was telling me about a situation at home with her partner, and it's really challenging. And then she just stopped for a moment. I said, um, and I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, pray for her. So I just prayed for her, and I said, have you, I don't know, no, I actually didn't ask. I just prayed the love of God that she would, the Lord, that your love would come. And then within like a minute, she said, what's that? And then as tears started rolling down her eyes, she goes, what's that? I said, that's the love of God touching you. She goes, that's incredible. I've never experienced that ever in my life. What, what, what is it? I said, that's the love of God. Do you want more? Yes, I want more. What, what, what is it? She was absolutely, completely shocked. 
She had never experienced that. You know, she's, she had told me that she's taken many drugs. She's had all the highs that you can think. But the love of God just penetrated. In that moment, I, I had to hold back my tears, but it reminded me as I walked away. I mean, I know she's close to giving her life to the Lord. She's very, very open. But it reminded me of when we first met Jesus. It reminded me when I was first touched by God and how we can get so... Um, you know, familiar with God's love, so familiar with things, and, and then and what we carry to bless others is incredible. We just have to give it away. Look for those opportunities. I remember Dad saying, Lord, Lord, divine interruption, divine appointments today. Lord, give me divine interruptions. Give me divine appointments today. They're there, and here was this lady that just out of nowhere experienced love and the power of God just in that moment for the first time. Do you know that nothing you do in this life will ever matter unless it is about loving God and loving the people he has made? And that's a quote by Francis Chan. Do you know that nothing you do in this life will ever matter unless it is about loving God and loving the people he has made? I like Francis Chan. eh? He's good. Awesome. Then we see in verse 7, John talks about those many deceivers who have gone out into the world They are called antichrists. Watch out. Don't run ahead. Stay in the teaching. Don't welcome them in your home or you share in their wicked work. This is a season, a time for us, as we hear over and over again, I'll just keep repeating it, to be bold, to be fearless, to be courageous, not cowards, without using peacemaker as an excuse, as Reuben said. Because the deceiver, the antichrist messages out there, it's almost like they seem to be ramping up. I don't know if it's because of the internet, like all these messages ramping up. I remember a time when a friend, yeah, she's a good friend, and her daughter, her teenage daughter, come to stay. Before they come to stay, I was was probably a little bit suspicious because the material that she was sending me was talking about the end of the world being near, and the church is going off track, preaching too much grace, they need to start repenting. Then the church needs to repent and start preaching judgment, judgment, judgment. And I was thinking, oh, okay. Anyway, the mistake I made, I said, yep, come and stay. And then I guess by the end of the first, the first night that she stayed, out came all this material and Claire actually had said to me, oh, just don't ask any questions about what she's into. And I said, oh, yeah, okay. And then next minute, oh, so what's happening what are, you, what are you into? And then out came the CDs, out came the books, out came all the stuff. The world's coming to an end. The church is off track. The flooding that's coming, the South Island's going to be, um, there's a tsunami coming to the South Island, coming to Nelson, all this end of the world. You know, and it's just, there's, some, there's, a, there's a little bit of truth in that, but then you go, my goodness, this is just getting weird. This is just getting weird. And then what made matters worse is that she was saying, oh, I'm just following the Holy Spirit. I don't know how long I'll stay with you, but I'm just following the Holy Spirit. I know I've got to go to Tauranga next to speak to my sister, da 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 all this. And I just thought, oh, my goodness. She doesn't know when she's leaving. It could be tomorrow. It could be any time. And I just, the alarm bells went off on me. I was like, oh, Lord, help me. What's going on? Claire said, why did you ask her? Why did you ask her what she was, what she was into? You meant to, she was only meant to stay, she's only staying one night, and then she's off. Anyway, I spoke to Froley, <laughs> wise Froley, and she said, you're welcomed into your home. Deceptive teaching, you're welcomed into your home. You need to, 
and I just, my dialogue followed. I knew I, I knew I had to basically tell her to get out. It was probably, uh, I was, it was probably easier than I thought, actually, when I went and I spoke to her and I confronted it and I said, you know, I've got concerns for you, da-da-da-da-da, deception, da-da-da-da, you're going off, I, and you have to leave, you have to leave now. And it was interesting because, you know, when you stand in the authority that God's given you, you know, she didn't agree, but she left, and the next day they were gone. It wasn't popular, and I thought, that's the way it's going to be. Standing on the truth is not going to be popular, but it has to be done. It has to be said. And then I remember, and and then it clicked to me, and I said, oh, that's right, Robin's all shared with me. Those Those who have a fear of being deceived are probably most vulnerable of actually being deceived. That actually made sense about the journey that I see her on. There's almost like a fear of being deceived. She actually gets deceived. It's almost like fear opens the door to deception. I thought, we've got to be ruthless with fear, letting any door open. So out she went. It was sad. But again, it was what Scripture says. If we welcome anyone to home, we are welcoming and we are standing on that wicked work. We share in their wicked work. So I repented, said, Lord, forgive me. It was one night too long, and out she went. It's almost like now with the internet, those who are deceived, it's almost like they have a double platform to start to share their lies and drag as many people down the, the drain as possible, eh? So what Rob was saying, progressive Christianity, run a mile. <laughs> progressive Christianity, run a mile. So I usually struggle with things online and those deceptive messages that come through. I mean, I must admit, I'm a bit like, oh, yeah, I've got to say something. And I know a lot of you are really bold. I've been watching some of you. I've been taking courage from that. I usually, what I usually do is I ignore those messages. Ah, But the lately, the Lord has been challenging me. He said, Jeff, now is, there is a time to stand. So we know that cannabis debate was happening. <laughs> raging messages, and then a message came through, and this is, what, this is what got me, this is what gave me the boot. Here was a believer, a believer that I had worshipped with, saying how good cannabis is, and that it is good, and it is from God. Man, I knew I had to say something. You know, not ignore that, I had to say something. But the, the difference, I think, this time, is I usually fly off the handle with my emotion, and I get into trouble, and then I find that I'm in a hole, and I can't get myself out. So I'm like, oh, no, now they're coming, all these attacks are coming. I didn't even, so I, I, I said, okay, I'm going to pray. So I prayed first, Lord, help me say what I need to say, because this is not right. And then all through, the, I was nervous, and then I even got like, you know, you open up a Word document, open up a Word document, and I, you know, put it, typed it out on the Word document, and I was like, and then I was like, okay, before I post it on the, on the page, so I went through all the, okay, is this so good? Lord, is this right? Okay, well, and then I put my own experience in there. Yeah, that's my experience. Yeah. And so I, I posted anyway, and um, I think I got some likes from some of you. Right? Some of you guys. <laughs> so, okay. Anyway, I won't, I won't read what I said, but this is what I said at the end. You know, the whole drug taking debate, the whole cannabis debate that was flaring around, the whole deception, and, and even believers getting involved in it saying that it's a good thing. And this is just a little part at the end of my message. I said, and I say, why not try Jesus? For me, by saying yes to a law change, the message that it sends is that it's all good. And I do not believe it is good. 
brother. The message that I want to send is Jesus is the answer, not cannabis, not alcohol, not meth, not a law change, but Jesus. Bless you, brother. <laughs> and then I decided at that point I had done my job. I felt like I had done my job and I just had to leave it. Leave it. I felt leave it. And then there's a couple other messages came in, but but you know, and then and then he and then he came back and responded and I just I left it. I think if I went back, it would have just I, I had said my piece and I the reason why I felt like it was the end is because I just said it's about Jesus. Why not try Jesus? And that's what we always say. We all say in the addictions world, when we get the opportunity, try Jesus instead of cannabis, instead of meth, instead of that. Why don't you try Jesus? I love one of my favorite authors. Some of you guys know him, Tim Keller. In all the debate that's currently raging, the political baits of the left and the right, Democrat, Republican, Labor, National, and, and I was going, where, you know, that whole thing, where do we stand as believers with all the deceptive messaging going on? And I just want to quote what Tim Keller said, and it, it just sort of summarized, I mean, I know he's talking about America, but it, it summarized to me because I said, Lord, how do we actually walk in that middle, that middle space, you know, instead of the extremes of the left and the extremes of the right and all, how do we just stay in that place? And this is what Tim Keller says, political polarization is, the, is a challenge for churches one, he says, Christians should be sold out for racial justice as all races are equal made in the image of God. Two, they should be deeply concerned about the poor and the marginalized. Three, they should be pro-life. Four, they should believe at least for Christians that sex should only be between a man and a woman in marriage. Now, those four things, the early church was marked by them. But two of them look very conservative and two look liberal. And what is happening now is those four things are never combined in any political party, in any other institution other than Catholic social teaching and biblical Christianity. And there is, a ma and there is major pressure on churches to get loud about two of them and quiet about the other two. He finishes with the statement, we can't get cold feet on any of those four issues. And that just said it to me. It's like things, those those biblical truths get split between two different parties and we're forced to decide. And he was talking about, you know, in the, in the southern states, they would be very, very um, loud about two of them and quiet about the racial justice stuff. But he goes to New York where he's got his church, very, 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 very loud about, um, you know, the um, you know, social justice and all of that, but very quiet about sexuality. So he said, you've got to be loud about all four. This is so true. How do we keep the balance and hold that ground for truth? And we don't fall into the extremes of the left or the right. I know for you guys, I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to be loud about some truths and quiet about other truths that are not popular, like abortion, sexuality, gender, all of that stuff that's been pushed. The challenge to be courageous again and again, that Jesus is both truth and love. The Apostle Paul warns Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 2, of deceivers who will come. The Spirit clearly says that in the later times, some will abandon the truth and follow deceiving spirits, things being taught by demons, doctrines of demons. Such teaching comes through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared with a hot iron. 
And I love the Passion Translation that says, the Holy Spirit has explicitly revealed at the end of this age, many will depart from the true faith, one after another, devoting themselves to spirits of deception and following demonic-inspired revelations and theories. Hypocritical liars will deceive many, and their consciences won't bother them at all. Man, that's scary, eh? Watch out for those doctrines of demons, as Robin's been saying. Be alert, love one another, hold on to the truth, because many will be deceived. It's quite scary. I don't want to be one of them. So in closing, I love the powerful message from 2 John, to walk in the truth, which is Jesus, to love one another, which of course means I am loving Jesus, who made each and every one of us. Like I said before, our unity produced by God's, the Lord's love, enables us to recognize and resist false teachers and teachings. We know those things are exploding daily in the media. Hearing the truth and standing in love for each other is the exact thing that many of us have experienced at Southside. We get taught, we get apostolic and prophetic direction, we get corrected and redirected to the truth when we start to go down the wrong path and entertain any deceptive teaching, like my sister done in my life many years ago. We must allow his great love that he has lavished on each of us, every one of us, to firstly love him with all our heart and our mind, with all our soul, and then love each other. Because in the coming days, as the saying goes, united we stand, divided we fall, and our love for him and each other will equip us to resist the devil, strengthen us to hold each other up, and give us the courage, even despite having fear, to stand, to stand alert, to watch out for those false teachers and deceivers, those doctrines of demons. Let's pray. If you want to stand. Lord, I want to thank you for your word that warns us. Lord, we can't say that you haven't warned us. But, Father, you do more than that. You prepare us, you correct us, you challenge us. Thank you, Father, for the fatherly love expressed through your Apostle John for us. Thank you for the truth that sets us free. As you say in your word that who the Son sets free is free indeed. Holy Spirit, come this morning and examine our hearts, actions, thoughts. Show us if there's anything in our hearts that is struggling to love you and to love others. Lord, I want to thank you for the truth that we stand here at Southside, many nations equal before you. Lord, I pray that you come and break any strongholds between nations that are seen or unseen so we can stand in love for each other. Father, I pray that you go after any fear, any fear that opens doors, Father, to deception, any fear of deception, any fears that, God, we have entertained, that we live by, that, Lord, the enemy can wreak havoc in our lives. And, God, I ask for courage. Lord, it's almost like fear will not be completely eliminated for many of us, but we stand Despite our feelings, we stand on the truth of your word. I thank you for the truth of your word 
that goes out and doesn't return void. I pray that. Lord, we welcome you, Holy Spirit, as, as Lord, we, as we open up this time for you to minister to us and, and show us anything that you want to do, Lord. We just give you permission, Holy Spirit. And I just had a, I had just had a sense um, as I was preparing that to, um, for a word, the Lord wants to continue to go after any shoulder um, pain, any shoulder damage. Um, I just feel like we've got to um, keep standing for that. Um, some things are persistent, but we've got to keep standing for God's complete healing for that. So if that's anyone who'd like to pray for you, I'll just dare. Um, any other words of knowledge? Any other words of wisdom?